Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark. I invite you to turn there with me. Mark chapter 15. If you have a pew Bible, you'll find this on page 853. This section of Mark, actually, that we're going to read this morning, starting in verse 25, actually gives us the outline for our series so far. In verse 25, Christ is crucified. In verse 26, we read about the charge that was above him. Verse 27, about the thieves he was crucified with. Verse 29 through 32, we read about those who hurled insults upon him. And then this morning, we'll focus on verses 33 and 34, where we read about the darkness that descended upon Christ as he hung on the cross. So let's read Mark 15, starting in verse 25. And it was the third hour when they crucified Jesus. And the inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their hands and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests and the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, as we come to reflect for just a few short moments on this section of your word this morning, we ask once again that you would come and find hearts and minds that are attentive and eager and ready to listen to you. And Lord, we ask that your word would be fresh in our hearts and in our souls this morning, that the word of grace would not be old, but would seem new, would be relevant to us where we find ourselves this morning. So help us just to to think through this this text that you have given us, would it be a time that is it's helpful to each one, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So if we cast our minds back, I'm sure we can all remember a time when we were afraid of the dark. When was the last time that you were afraid of the dark? Being the, you know, the, the man that I am, I had to cast my mind back a whole three weeks to remember the last time that I was afraid of the dark. And uh, it happened when I was running the Ragnar Relay. I don't know if I've told you about this already, but it's a 200-mile relay race. So uh, 12 of you get together and you run this course, and it starts at uh, 12 in the afternoon, and it keeps on going until you're done, which means that several people have to run a leg through the middle of the night. Now, this was actually one of the things I was intrigued to do. I, I had the four o'clock, four o'clock in the morning leg, and I was thinking, you know, I wonder what that experience will be like. And I was kind of looking forward to it, to, just, just to see. Well, it turns out it's terrible, okay? Um, why I had to do that experience to learn that lesson is just one of those things I'm, I'm not exactly sure. But yeah, it was tough. But a couple of things about running in the middle of the night. One was that there was something about it that was um, kind of freeing kind of exhilarating, almost, almost beautiful just to be out there under the stars. But on the other hand, there was also something about it that was kind of eerie. In the darkness, you're disoriented. Uh, you feel a little isolated. You feel a little vulnerable. Our passage this morning deals with the darkness. 
But hidden in the shadows of the darkness, we see grace. And that's what I want us to see this morning. I want us to see in the dark, as it were, by looking at two things. First of all, the story of the darkness. And secondly, the significance of the darkness. Let's look at the story and the significance of the darkness together. First then, the story of the darkness, really from verse 33. You see it there? When the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. Now this is one of the details in the story of the crucifixion that's, that's strange, perhaps even paradoxical. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the one who, wherever he goes and anywhere he goes, he brings light. We could think back to creation itself where there's darkness over the deep and God through Christ says, let there be light and there was light. We could think of the prophets who foretold that Jesus would be that great light who would shine into our darkness. We could think of his birth. Remember that dark Bethlehem night is suddenly fractured and then shattered as the angels appear and the glory of the Lord shines all around. We could think of the descriptions we get of Christ during his lifetime. He's the life that will be the light of men. He's the true light that gives life to everyone. He's the very light of the world. We could think of his transfiguration when his face shines like the sun and his clothes become white as light. Anywhere and everywhere he goes, Jesus brings light. And yet, as he nears the cross, as the end comes, darkness becomes our theme. The major events of the crucifixion all take place at night. He is betrayed at night. He is tried before the religious leaders at night. He is denied by his best friend at night. And then, as he hangs on the cross, here in Matthew 15, the darkness finally it consumes him. When the sixth hour had come, we read, darkness was over the whole land until the ninth hour. Jesus had been on the cross for, for three hours. And now this thick darkness descends and blankets the land for three hours more. What an intense and, and unforgettable experience it must have been to have been at the foot of the cross that day. We read that this happened at this, the sixth hour. You might, your Bible might have a, a footnote directing you to the bottom where you'll read that the sixth hour was, was noon. It was, it was 12 p.m. So this is the middle of the day. This is when the sun is at its highest. And then suddenly at this brightest moment of the day, this darkness falls and envelops them all. We know, of course, that, that darkness has, has a powerful impact upon us. Remember, I don't know, the, the last time that you were in a power outage. The storm had been brewing. Maybe you'd been watching TV to see when it would hit you. And then suddenly it did. And the lights give that ominous flicker. And then everything goes pitch black. The lights are off. The TV's off. You can't see uh, your hand in front of your face. Uh, do you remember how it felt as a child when the lights went out? Let's remember that feeling together. Are you ready? Do you remember as a child how that nervousness would kick in? How that feeling of, of isolation, that feeling of uncertainty, that feeling of being unsure, even in your own home, began to kick in. And so you'd look for the, the hand of a loved one. You'd look for the, the flashlight or the candles to see you through this time of darkness. Let's put the lights back on. I can't see my notes, so I can't preach. 
this week I came across uh, the, the story of um, Ernest Shackleton. He was a British explorer, and in 1914 he and a crew set sail for Antarctica. Now, uh, their plan was to land, walk across Antarctica, Antarctica, and then cross the South Pole, but their plan had to be abandoned when their ship, ironically called the Endurance, uh, was frozen and then crushed in the polar ice. And so for several months, Shackleton and his crew just did their very best to survive. And one of Shackleton's biographers shares that of all the difficulties they faced during that season, all the difficulties they endured as they were stuck in the ice, the starvation and the frigid temperatures, of all that they had to go through, the the worst thing was the darkness. Why? Because near the South Pole, the sun will set in mid-May and not rise again till late July. You've got a couple months of complete and utter darkness. And polar explorers tell us that, that no desolation can compete with the feeling of being in absolute darkness for day after day, week after week, month even after month. Few can avoid its effect completely. It's even driven some people insane. Why? Because in the darkness, in deep darkness that you can touch and feel, you feel disoriented, vulnerable, isolated. And how much more must that have been the experience of those in whom the sun suddenly failed here at the cross? It's the middle of the day and suddenly all goes black. Imagine the hushed confusion as everyone lifts their eyes up to the skies. Imagine in the nearby market stall as they just jolt to a literal standstill looking at one another awry. The children who run wide-eyed for their parents. The men who put down their tools. The women who light candles all across Jerusalem. No sun, no moon, no stars, no headlights, no electricity. It's black, dark, thick, kind of darkness that you can touch. Some perhaps sit in silence, some perhaps cry out afraid, some perhaps even calling out to their gods. And throughout all of this, Jesus is there, hanging on the cross. That's the story of the darkness. It's the story of the darkness. But how do we make sense of this darkness? What does it mean? Why is this detail given to us? Let's see if we can shed some light on that by looking at the significance of the darkness. Significance of the darkness. Why did this darkness fall? Some, of course, have proposed a natural cause. Perhaps they say there was a solar eclipse that had come and brought darkness on the earth. Of course, a possibility till we remember that these events took place during Passover. This was a celebration that always happened during full moon, and it's impossible for a solar eclipse to happen during a full moon. Others have said, well, maybe it was a, a great windstorm, the kind that will gather up enough dust to obscure the sun for days. And again, a, a plausible suggestion until we remember that uh, this uh, celebration of Passover happens not only at full moon, but also during the wet season, when it's impossible for so much dust to be caught up. Instead, the Bible presents the cause of the darkness not as a, not as a natural thing, but as a supernatural thing. Why? Here's the point. Because in the Bible, darkness is a symbol of God's judgment. In the Bible, darkness is a symbol of God's judgment. Now, there are many texts we could go at to look at this theme. Let me give you just two. One from the Old Testament, one from the New. First of all, in the Old Testament, book of Isaiah, we read, Behold, the day of the Lord comes. The day of God's judgment is coming. 
cruel with wrath and fierce anger to make the land a desolation and to destroy its sinners from it. And on that day, we read, the stars of the heavens and their constellations will not give light. The sun will be dark at its rising and the moon will not shed any light. When this judgment comes, you will know because darkness will descend upon you. When darkness descends upon you, you can know that judgment is at hand. Or think in the New Testament. Jesus tells you in Matthew chapter 8 that the judgment of hell will be a place of what? Of, of outer darkness. Outer darkness where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. When judgment comes, it will be accompanied by darkness. When darkness falls, we know that God is acting in judgment. And so he is acting in judgment here on Christ. Why? One commentator puts it this way. The darkness meant judgment, the judgment of God upon our sins. Hell came to Calvary that day, and the Savior descended into it and bore its horrors in our stead. Perhaps the best illustration of what's happening here actually comes from the Old Testament book of Exodus. Do you remember the story? God's people have been enslaved in the land of Egypt. And God goes to the rulers of Egypt and he says, let my people go. And they refuse. And so in response, God sends his judgment upon the Egyptian rulers. And he sends his judgment by inflicting a series of plagues upon them. Do you remember what the last two plagues were? The penultimate plague comes in Exodus chapter 10. Let me just read you a section from there. The Lord says to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven that what? That there may be darkness on the land of Egypt, the plague of of darkness, a darkness to be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. Now in response to this, the Egyptian rulers refused to recant, even in the face of such manifest power. And so God moves to send the final plague, the final judgment. He follows the darkness. How? At midnight, we read, The Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, the plague that brought death to the firstborn sons. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat in his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the the dungeon and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt for there was not a house where someone was not dead. There was not a house in all of Egypt, where someone was not dead. How was it then that the Israelites escaped this judgment? Because they're living in Egypt. How was it that, that they were spared? Do you remember? God told them to take a lamb, a lamb without blemish, and to sacrifice this lamb, and to put the blood of this lamb on the doorposts of their houses. And then he continues, I will pass through the land of Egypt that night. I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, And on all the gods I will execute judgment. But the blood, the blood of a lamb, will be the sign for you. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. That's where the phrase Passover comes from. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you. Here's the point. After darkness comes the sacrificed lamb who spares his people from the judgment of God. And that Old Testament narrative is fulfilled wonderfully and beautifully here in Christ. After the darkness 
comes the sacrifice of the Lamb who will spare his people from the judgment of God. This is why the darkness is precious to us. Do you see its significance? Two brief points in closing as we unpack this significance. First, the darkness means that we're forgiven. As darkness falls upon the cross, what we see happening is the judgment of God for sin descending down upon Christ. The judgment we deserve falls upon him. And this is why he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But in this same cry and in this same moment and in this same darkness, God is drawing near to us to give us grace. And this is the very simple, basic, 101 level of, of, of the good news of the gospel. That God is so taken with you, he is so in love with you, he is so desirous of relationship with you, that even though you deserve to be punished, he makes a way for you to be forgiven. And his son takes the punishment that we deserve so that all who would have faith in him can be forgiven, full and free. The darkness means that we can be forgiven. Secondly, though, and briefly again, the darkness also means that we're free. Free to do what? Free, the Bible says, to walk in the light. Free to walk in the light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Uh, Paul said the same thing differently when he said, at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of the light. Because the darkness has descended upon Christ, we are now free to walk in the light. What does this mean practically? It means that many of us live a lot of our lives in darkness. Many of us keep many aspects of ourselves hidden from view. But God says, I've dealt with your ultimate problem, so you you can come out of hiding now. You don't have to live in the darkness. You can walk in the light. He calls us to bring who we really are into his presence that we might receive this kind of forgiveness and this healing. See, God isn't interested in us playing a church game. He isn't interested in us just dressing up and doing the right things and going through the motions. He, he truly wants us to bring all that we are, even the messy parts of that, into his presence that we can know him and be truly known. And I want to encourage you that this is a church where... <laughs> where people are doing this. They're bringing the secret shame that used to be in the dark into the light. Their unhappy marriage, the massive debt they've accrued, the major doubts they have about their faith. People are bringing things from darkness into light, the way that they've coped with life through the abuse of of food or alcohol or work. And finding that God is meeting them with forgiveness and healing. They're bringing their sexual impurity that they've carried for years or perhaps got engaged in more recently into the light and finding that God is meeting them with forgiveness and healing. They're bringing their inner struggles of depression and anxiety and mental health and loneliness and fear into the light and finding that God is meeting them with forgiveness and healing. Because when we bring these things into the light, the Lord responds with forgiveness and healing. I wonder this morning if there are things that you need to bring into the light. The Bible says that because of the darkness, you're free to do so. The story then and the significance of the darkness. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness all over the land. And from that darkness have come the treasures of forgiveness and freedom for us. As a people, 
We no longer need to be afraid of the dark. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the details that you record for us in the scriptures. For our details that we're able to pause on, linger on, reflect upon, and just weigh up in our hearts. And so we thank you for telling us about the darkness that covered the land, that great symbol of of your judgment that descended upon Jesus. And we thank you that in that darkness we find grace, we find forgiveness, and we find freedom. Father, it's our prayer that you would just take these truths that we've been reflecting upon together. Work them a little deeper into our hearts. Enable us, Lord, to step out a little more into the light. Would you, by your grace, enable us to follow you, Lord, as children of the light this day, we pray in Jesus' perfect name. Amen.